Hello to all our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator. And I'm Josh and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid down to earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. Visit us at completewedo.com for more information. Planning a wedding is full of choices. Some of them are fun, some of them are difficult, and some of them are going to check both of those boxes. Decor comes to mind as an example. So how do you choose the colors and accessories for your wedding? We talk about that today. So Tara, before we really get into the subject matter, I think we need to uh, take a second to just uh, shout out that we uh, we turned 40 today. This is our 40th episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think we're all of our millions of followers and fans. Thank you. <laughs> millions and millions of followers. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, for, for anybody listening to to get back into this topic, uh, even more than we talk about today, uh, feel free to go back to our National Wedding Planning Day special episode six, which is about inspiration and lighting. We touch on a lot of these topics. And then also um, we did an entire episode uh, 34 talking about personalizing and the day, making the day all you. And we uh, talk about some of these themes as well. But we definitely thought that there's enough going on with the decorations that this yields to a full dedicated episode. And I know that I'm going to have some perspective from being in the industry, but also just thinking about my wedding and how I, I told my wife just hire somebody, you know, I have, I have no interest in participating in any of this at all. And I, I still consider that one of the best decisions that we made when putting it together. And uh, you're obviously going to bring the, be bringing the perspective of uh, being somebody who could be that somebody that you hired to do this. Cause uh, this is definitely a line of work that you get into. So when we're talking, about, yeah. So, so when we're talking about decor and answering the overall fundamental question, how do you choose decor? What's your approach, and how would you recommend to a couple that's uh, trying to go a little more DIY as opposed to uh, making the obvious choice to hire somebody like you? Yeah. The, the first thing you see a lot of the couples do is choose their colors. And so once they kind of have their color scheme figured out and even maybe their season um, and kind of overall theme, that is when they really start to dive into what their overall decor is going to look like. It is really, I mean, it's everything. I think when people first think about decor, they're just thinking, you know, centerpieces, uh, you know, at their wedding venue and that's kind of it. And then, you know, obviously their floral choices for ceremony and it, it really, you know, goes way beyond that depending on how elaborate you want your wedding to be or what does your venue a lot that you need to do. And so definitely there, there's a ton of things that can go into how much money you want to spend on decor and how elaborate you want to get. But overall, you've got to come up with your color scheme. You've got to know your theme. Uh, that may tie into what season. Obviously, fall weddings have a typical fall theme to them. Summer weddings usually are kind of get the, the joy of being all over the board, but you'll definitely see more of those bright uh, colors during that time frame. And then, you know, your winter weddings usually play on, on that theme as well or that season very well with their decor. 
And then, you know, definitely knowing if your venue is going to make it so you have to decorate a little bit more when you choose just a wide open space, you know, maybe um, there's a lot of venues coming up that are basically Morton buildings that just give you a very blank scape of, you know, here's your concrete floor and your metal walls and maybe a fun chandelier or lighting here and there. But then, you know, that's really all that you get. And so in some of those venues, you have to decorate it a little bit more than you would your hotel ballroom or the shabby chic rustic barn that's already, you know, pre-decorated for you. And so really kind of honing in on exactly what are your you can and cannot do with your wedding venue and then figuring out you know where to get that inspiration from there's obviously a ton of ideas out there from your pinterest pages instagram facebook you know fellow friends and families and we talked about that a lot on that uh, prior podcast episodes where you know kind of figuring out what speaks to you and what you want for your day and then going out and grabbing some inspiration so you can put a plan in place. All right. So really uh, good high level stuff about planning, get your inspiration, your theme. I feel like uh, you hit the nail on the head. Your season's probably going to give itself to you. Um, <laughs> those are, uh, those are pretty static regardless of where you are. Um, if you're in a, in a place like the Midwest, obviously you've got the four seasons and um you know, like you said, the uh, the falls and winters tend to help uh, go a long way to setting the theme. But the uh, last thing that you gave after the inspiration is setting the budget. Uh, that seems like a pretty important step to take. So how do you tackle setting the budget for something like decor? That, that That's a hard one. Um, I was looking at in one of our other episodes about that percentage that you spend on the different things with your wedding. And typically they say eight to 10% is going to go towards your overall decor budget. And that is typically your flowers and your lighting and then, you know, all the extras like tablecloths and stuff like that. But what also comes into that eight to 10% is the fees of the labor of getting that all put together. And so definitely when you're thinking about your overall budget, um, I would say it's a good it's a good chunk of your money. People want to show off their weddings and they want them to be photographed beautifully. Um, and so it is somewhere that you see people splurge. And that's usually a lot of times what people talk about is the way that your your wedding looked. Um, besides the food and the entertainment are usually the next two. And so definitely figuring out what can you afford and what's important to you. There are definitely the minimalist couples that don't care if they have centerpieces at all. They just, you know, and they'll not do much, but maybe one vase on the table with a candle and consider that a day. Um, and that's perfectly fine. Whatever fits your overall personality and your feel that you want for your wedding day, go for it. Uh, the best advice I'd give you is don't get hung up on what everybody else is doing and if your budget doesn't allow you to go for you know these huge hundred dollar you know table arrangements then don't choose that try to figure out a happy medium that does fit in your budget but definitely allocating at least i would say 10 percent to be on the safe side in case those flower budget come in a little higher um, than the other Knowing what your guest count is also going to impact what your overall decor budget. Um, that is going to impact whether you're setting up 10 tables or 20 tables. And so knowing that ahead of time is going to be ideal when you're trying to figure out what cost is per table if you wanna break it down that much. 
Um, your style is also going to impact. If you are somebody that wants fresh florals on your tables, that decor budget probably needs to be a little bit higher than the couple who is okay with candles. Um, and again, finding that happy medium, maybe you do candles on a half of the tables and flowers on the other half. Um, and so figuring out what you overall kind of what your style is going to be. Um, and even just choosing, I mean, flowers are one thing that I, in my 14 years, I couldn't memorize a flower besides a rose, a daisy and a sunflower to save my life. Um, so I can't give you, you know, what flowers cheaper than the other, but definitely your florist can. And so knowing that if you want sunflowers in the middle of winter, it may not be an ideal thing. And they're probably going to have to special order those. Um, or not be able to get them at all. And so know what's in season and what is um, maybe a more affordable flower versus the one that you may have your eye set on and kind of getting that idea um, in your head that you may not get the exact rose that you wanted because maybe that rose that you saw on Pinterest is actually 10 times the amount than a typical rose. Um, so just kind of definitely do your research and talk to your florist and knowing what that's going to be um, and then lastly, you know, I talked about your venue being definitely something that's going to impact the amount of decor you're going to need. And so if you're somebody that has a smaller decor budget, when you're picking out your venue, maybe you look at those venues that aren't going to need as much fluff to add to the overall ambiance. And you choose a venue that doesn't need much, but a few table centerpieces, and it doesn't need a backdrop and everything else. Yeah, definitely like a lot of the stuff that you uh, mentioned there. And I kind of want to key in on a couple. Um, you you mentioned make sure that it's uh, appropriately it is part of the things that are the top priorities. I mean, we talk a lot in, in all our different episodes about picking your top three to five. And so when you're when you're saying 10% uh, overall budget for decor, is that uh, when it is fitting inside your top three to five or when it's not that's just a good starting point if it's in your top three to five maybe allocate a little more and that's when you're gonna start getting into decisions like you have a specific rose that you want and a color and a and a particular varietal that you you absolutely have to have so you're essentially picking that as one of your top three to five is that is that kind of where you're going there yeah, absolutely. I would say they say on average, most weddings spend eight to 10, but definitely I've seen couples spend less and I've seen couples spend a lot more. And so, yeah, definitely if, if decor and wowing your guest with your overall, you know, vision of your day is on your top five list of what's most important for your wedding day, then yeah, you're probably one that's going to splurge on huge floral centerpieces before you splurge on a photo booth. Um, or maybe, you know, you're going to let, you're not going to do wedding favors because you want to have an elaborate, you know, backdrop, you know, for your ceremony, you know, altar space. And so definitely, yeah, figuring out um, how, what, how much of that decor makes it into that top, a top three of your absolute must-haves, and then, you know, kind of going from there. Yeah, the other thing that I really, really liked was the comment about if uh, you're more of a minimal, minimalist on decor, a minimalist on the budget for decor, uh, pick the venue that kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, there's a, there's a great thing that we have in the wedding world right now is that there's, there's probably six or seven distinctive different kinds of uh, venues that you can look at when you start thinking of the industrial, the blank canvases, like you were mentioning, you have country clubs, you have hotel ballrooms, you have the uh, rustic chic type of places as well. And, and you could, you could 
probably come up with a handful of other type of things. Some of those kind of speak for themselves. And uh, the more that you try to over decorate, you're kind of doing a disservice to a venue that you picked. Um, You know, a good example that I bring up for a minimalist decor, my uh, youngest sister um, didn't want to do anything when it came to decorating her centerpieces. And so she picked a really nice uh, brewery that had a historic, um, building vibe that was going on and the the place kind of spoke for itself and i don't really think most of the guests really noticed that there was a candle with a with a fake like wrap of flowers sitting on top of a mirror on every single table because the the venue spoke for itself um but you know as as i mentioned uh we we hired a professional for my wedding my wife was really interested in the decor and we'll we'll get into this subject a little bit more here uh, shortly but uh i had zero interest in in participating in any of the setup so it was a uh we're we're gonna you know, break the budget a little bit, um, elevate this to a top three to five, even though it wasn't um, until we got a little bit later into the game to make something like that happen. But uh, yeah, great considerations there. And um, so let's talk a little bit more about uh, after you set your budget, what are ways that you can work to potentially save or as you're setting your budget what are some of the things to think about um you know choices we'll, we'll kind of go a little uh eat this not that style <laughs> yes so definitely i mean a, a great thing that you know i point out when it comes to you know again saving money is figuring out are you are you saving the money because you truly need to spend that money somewhere else or are you wanting to save money because you just don't get the idea of spending a hundred dollars on a centerpiece, you know, so figuring out why you want to save and where you want to save. And are you saving on your overall decor budget or is there little places that you can save so that you can afford those more expensive floral arrangements? Um, you know, when we, we talk about your overall decor, again, where I said earlier, a lot of people think about just your centerpieces, but really Think about your lighting and think about does your head table need a backdrop? Do, are you not doing a church ceremony and so your outdoor ceremony needs an arbor? Um, or maybe you want to align the aisle with vases, candles, or florals, you know, there. And so really kind of, again, making an overall list of exactly what you want your decor to look like um, or, you know, make a a mood board or, you know, an inspiration board and stuff like that, but making a list of exactly where that money is going to be spent and then figuring out, okay, I really want an arbor for our ceremony, but, you know, looking at buying one, which there's not a ton out there that you can buy, um, but maybe you want to rent one, or maybe you guys are DIY, husband's great with the saw and he's going to make one for you. And so figuring out right there is going DIY and making an arbor going to be cheaper than finding somebody that already has it and will put it up for you um, and potentially even decorate it for you um, a better way to go. Maybe it's a difference of $50 is your time to actually build that. And in today's world where the uh, cost of wood is definitely not cheap anymore, you know, is that really feasible? Um, So think about your time when you're going to go DIY Um, so that you're not putting strain on your whole wedding planning process because it's a week before your wedding and your fiance has not built that arbor that he promised he would build. um, And now you're stressed out about it. Um, Been there, seen that, done that. So don't do that. 
Um, the other place that you can definitely, you know, a lot of couples, again, substitute flowers for, or candles for flowers, and instead they do candle centerpieces with very bare minimal flowers. Flowers are a huge cost when it comes to your wedding budget. Um, they do make things beautiful. I'm definitely an advocate for fresh florals, but there is something to say for some of those. Um, there's amazing sites out there that allow you to buy silk flowers at a cheaper rate, and then you can sell them afterwards or keep them for, you know, other projects around the home or whatnot. Um, and so really kind of figuring out if you're a, a candle person and can go that route, or if you want to do real flowers versus silk flowers, all three of those options are going to impact your budget differently. Um, I typically tell a client, if you're going to have um, 10 tables, stick to one type of centerpiece typically. If you're going to have 20 tables, go to two different types of centerpieces. If you're going to have 30 tables, you can easily put three different centerpieces together and still put it in the room, you know, sporadically spaced out so that it doesn't look like you just kind of, you know, threw up in the room and it's just a random randomness. Instead, it has an eclectic, you know, look to it and it all kind of has one element that ties all those centerpieces together. And so maybe that's where you can do all candles on one table. And then maybe the next table has a candle and then a small floral arrangement. And then your third table is where you spent majority of your budget and you have this tall, amazing floral centerpiece. And so knowing what that looks like to your vision will help you decide if you can save in some certain ways. Um, I often have clients save that way by just not doing fresh florals um, on all the tables. That um, also comes into play um, whether you want flowers or do you want a lot of greenery. Greenery is super popular right now. Every bride is very into the eucalyptus look, um, but sometimes that real greenery is actually not saving you money. And so definitely get a quote on what that's gonna look like from your florist and know, are you putting it on the table or are they putting it on the table? Because most florists are going to have an extra fee for them cutting it and placing it on the tables. It's very easy for you to do that. Um, I say that because I've been doing it a while, but I do find that it, you, there's tons of YouTube videos out there that you can watch, but um, you know, cutting the greenery and stuff like that, again, it's buying into your time. That's not something you can do Friday and it still look good on Saturday morning. So is your time valuable enough that you wanna pay somebody to do that for you and have that in mind when you're choosing fresh greeneries or look into silk greenery, which are definitely a great option depending on where you're getting that greenery from. Um, there's definitely definitely uh, options out there that look a little more real um, than than some of the others. So definitely do your your thing on that. What I would also definitely encourage, and not just because I own a decoration rental company, but because I have been there as a person who's gotten married herself, as well as helped several friends and family all over um, that have chosen to go out and spend money at Hobby Lobby buying all these faces and then have nothing to do with them afterwards and then trying to sell them on, you know, Facebook marketplace and it take weeks to sell them or people lowball you um, and stuff like that. And so renting is a better option and typically does save people money. And so having that ability to basically set up an appointment with a rental company and take a look at what decor they have, what you may have to, you know, bring in from your own um, and different ways that they can save. And typically those rental companies also come with setup and teardown options um, for, or, you know, with my company, you can choose to do it all yourself. If you want to set it up, tear it down, but not go purchase it all, you have those options. And so it definitely in the long run can save you money 
and headache of not having to worry about it at the end of the night and leaving it in your garage. And again, I think I've said it before, having that first marital fight of why is this stuff still here? Um, and going back, last piece of advice on budget would be if you're not somebody that wants to be over the top with your decor, less is more. Do minimal things, make it unique to you guys. Um, although yes, it is typically what people notice at a wedding. If the other elements of your wedding are amazing, that is probably the last thing that they're going to go home talking about is, oh my gosh, I can't believe she only had one candle on the center, you know, on the table. And so they're going to say, oh my God, I had so much fun. That DJ was amazing. That food was great. Like, it was just so great to see everybody. Those are the things you want them talking about. Yeah, the uh, sister's wedding uh, definitely had the amazing DJ and uh, we had the groom, my brother-in-law, stage diving. So uh, the fact that there was only one candle on every table is uh, kind of irrelevant when we think back about that wedding. We had uh, we had glass German DOS boots out there we were drinking beer out of. So, I mean, that was, that was a fun wedding. Um, so uh, a couple of things I kind of want to dig a little bit more on from everything there. So if uh, you do decide to do the... DIY all your own decorations and try to resell them. Have you seen that work successfully for a couple and what was their strategy and how do they make that whole process work without having the first marital fight of, you know, why is this stuff still in my house? <laughs> yeah. The best advice would be to, to do it immediately. Um, obviously if you're leaving on Sunday for your honeymoon, that's the last thing you want to do. So once you get back from your honeymoon, sort through all of your wedding inventory, take really good pictures of what you have and quantity and sizes um, and post all of the pictures. Um, there are designated wedding buy, sell, trade actual pages on Facebook, um, but also like, don't be afraid to just post it on your personal page. Somebody you know probably in your area is getting married and then you don't have to worry about you know trying to meet a random person. Um, the other thing is you very well could reach out to local wedding planners or decor rental companies. And like myself, I often buy decor from the clients. And so definitely honing in on those people that are already in the industry um, is definitely going to, you know, potentially be somebody that already knows the worth of what your items are. Um, choosing your decor, you know, if you, let's, you know, we talked about themed weddings before. If you're somebody that has a, you know, an over-the-top theme, then definitely you may have just, you know, secluded yourself in a smaller group of buyers. And so having, choosing decor that is more, you know, available and, and used all over the board rather than just in a small market or a specific bride, um, you know, is going to buy that, that's definitely going to help you. And so having more of a um, generic type of centerpiece, I guess I would say. And, but yeah, do it as soon as you can, get it off your plate, take a lot of decent, good pictures of the decor, show it like what I always think sells better. And I think this is in general of anything you're selling, but instead of just showing me the clear vase sitting on your, you know, nightstand as you took the picture, you know, right before you're about to pack it away, I want to see a picture of how you used that centerpiece. So if you can get pictures from your photographer, or maybe you, you know, you or your friends, you know, grabbed a picture on your cell phone, show that picture so that you can see here's the clear empty vase and here's how we used it. Um, especially if you have a unique item that you're trying to sell, show it in use. 
So here's a here's a little wild tidbit that you can go with there. When you're setting it up, take a good picture on your cell phone, and as you're creating it, uh, make an inventory spreadsheet. Excel's a heck of a program. You can do some really cool things there. You can uh, turn it into individual slides, say on PowerPoint or Publisher, or something to that effect, and you can make flyers for everything. Um, that's a little bit of the way that I'm, you know, wired to put things together. And then, of course, just make sure that you put everything away. Uh, nicely and have it ready to go um, and, and ship your quote unquote inventory out, if you will. So before we uh, get into the uh, the next part, which I think is going to be a lot more about that, um, what are your thoughts on mixing real and uh, artificial flowers? Um, I think when done really well, it can work. Um, I will, we have a lot of silk greenery in our inventory. And so a lot of times we will tie our silk greenery in with fresh florals, um, or we'll do a head table greenery garland that's majority fake, but then, you know, stuff in a few real eucalyptus sprigs so that it looks a little fresher and stuff. And so I think, again, it just depends on the type of artificial flowers or greenery that you have bought, um, if that's going to tie in well with fresh florals. But the other thing I would point out is we have a few florals that I florist that I work with regularly that have a non-compete clause. And so they actually don't want a centerpiece on the table that has something from one florist as and then you know something from another florist so you can't have competing florists on the table because typically you're not putting a sign out there of who you know provided what and if some people get wind that you have a certain florist but they actually didn't like the centerpieces and come to find out a part of that didn't come from them then you're giving bad publicity to you know potentially one of them or both of them and so definitely check your contracts. In most cases, when it's a silk versus real, most floors are a little, are more okay with that. Um, but again, I think it just kind of depends on the overall quality of the product you're using. So what if you did something to the effect of uh, real for boutonnieres and corsages and uh, artificial for centerpieces, things of that nature? Have you seen something like that work out well when you're kind of making decisions on which way to go? Yes, absolutely. I see that probably more often than I see like the mixing of real and fake at the reception hall. And so, yeah, definitely. Um, I even have some that went fake for boutonnieres, corsages, um, but only went real for bouquets um, because those are, again, what's going to be photographed. Um, the chances are is that your photographer's not getting a ton of pictures of your decor. And the chances of you framing that picture of your decor and putting it on your wall is pretty slim. And so definitely those bouquets and boutonnieres, the pic, you know, the flowers that are going to be photographed with, with people in them, um, even that would go to your ceremony flowers for your altar arrangements or your arbor arrangements or, you know, the flowers going down the aisle. Those are the things that are going to be photographed most um, that you're going to be showing off. And definitely the reel is definitely going to photograph way better. And if it is important to have good pictures of centerpieces and things you put together, make sure that you hit up your photographer and just say, hey, I want lots of detail shots. If you tell them that, they'll know what you mean. And uh, that's the, the right way to get that. So uh, anything else on uh, the, the way that you put a plan together to keep a budget, save money before we get into the uh, next topic? No, the other thing that I, when you were talking about the, the buy, sell, trade and like how to get that going effectively if you are trying to let's say you went out and you bought all your tablecloths that is that's where i see people try to save money um, a lot 
um, where they're doing um, either plastic tablecloths. I definitely do not encourage that. It does not photograph well at all. Um, but some of them want to go out and buy their own tablecloths. When you buy tablecloths, they do not come pressed and ready to go. So make sure you're also allocating the time it's going to take you to iron all of those tablecloths or you worked out with a local dry cleaning company that they're going to press them. And not all dry cleaners can do that. They have to have a special machine. So make sure that you think through that process. But then when it comes to actually selling them, don't try to sell people dirty tablecloths. I have seen this on buy, sell trades. Like, don't just give me a trash bag full of the tablecloths you used last weekend. Nobody wants to buy that. Mold will probably have been created on it um, or other stains that they can't get out. So take the time after your wedding to wash all of those tablecloths before trying to sell them. Doesn't mean you have to press them and make them look pristine, but know what you're getting, you know, know what you're selling. Um, and if you're the buyer, please know, you know, like do your due diligence of checking the inventory that before you buy it. Uh, I actually had a uh, friend in college who was going to school to learn restaurant management. And I remember him uh, saying that this is the one thing that stuck out, just uh, conversations on a Friday night that we would have about the, the kind of world we were looking to get into professionally. And he specifically pointed out, um, you know, all the stats that half every, every restaurant that opens up, you know, fails because it's really hard to run a restaurant. And uh, the thing that he uh, talked about all of his professors picking out was uh, going with really Real linen and extravagant linen and thinking that you know anything about linen was uh, a pretty common pitfall. So I don't know that I would personally ever want to tangle with linen. Um, I, uh, I kind of like to see that show up and it be someone else's problem to get it laundered. But um, yeah, good, good calls there. Uh, linen is definitely a, a thing that could be a potential pitfall and it's just littered with, um, you know, hidden things to think about, like you have to press it. And uh, it's not the most easy thing in the world to clean yeah. 20 tablecloths. Yeah, it's <laughs> There's a... definitely a number one product that goes out our door for our rental company is our linens, because yeah, people don't want to mess with that. Yeah, I mean, you know what you're doing. So I, <laughs> I leave it to people like you. I, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't really want to learn. Um, but anyway, um, it, it all kind of goes back to what you're saying, uh, just knowing what you're getting into and making sure that you have all the transparent conversations about what your uh, sensibilities for both sides of the couple really are. Uh, when you're when you're talking about the wedding, which gets into the next question, who is going to handle the setup and teardown? Oh, yes. Another thing as a wedding coordinator, I always tell the couples, even if they're not renting decor from me, like, have that be a plan. Like, there we have packages that your coordinator comes with set up and tear down time. And then we have packages that you have to add it on. I would say nine out of 10 clients will add it on um, because they don't want that headache. Um, and then we see some that will handle the setup, but definitely don't want to handle the teardown. And so, Having a plan definitely is key and knowing what, whether you're going to delegate it out to your wedding party, your friends, your other family members, or if you're going to hire a professional company. If you plan to use friends and family or your wedding party, that's great, but know that the timing works out for everybody. Know that you you know, don't ask them a year, you know, right after you got engaged, you know, hey, will you be our setup crew? And then don't communicate with them until, you know, the week of your wedding. Um, and then they say, oh, crap, I totally forgot you wanted me to do that. Sorry, we have this, this and this. So we're not showing up until right before the ceremony. So if you're going to delegate, like make sure like that plan is really executed well, and everybody knows what the game plan is. Um, and definitely know, 
if you're going to be involved. I have a lot of couples that it's hard for especially the bride to relinquish that control and not know what her overall look is is like until she shows up for the grand entrance. And so they want to be very involved. Well, does that work with your timing? Does your venue allow you to come in Thursday or Friday before your Saturday wedding? Or do you get the venue 8 a.m. Saturday morning? That will dictate, I think, a lot if you're going to ask for help because on your wedding day at 8 a.m., you should not be setting up for your wedding. Your groom should not be setting up. Your bridesmaids and groomsmen should not be setting up. Maybe your, you know, distant cousin, your aunt, your uncle, and your, you know, best friend that didn't make the bridesmaids list, whatever. Fine. Maybe those people can be setting up on the morning. Um, but leave your, your mom to pamper you. Leave your bridesmaids and groomsmen to be by your side. Um, and not be part of that setup crew on the day. Now, Thursday, Friday, if you have a whole crew of people coming into town and they want to help, then great. Make sure you have that time set aside. If your venue makes you pay for that extra time, it is worth the extra time to have everything set up and ready to go prior to your wedding day. Um, it's that peace of mind. It's being able to go back and know like, crap, we didn't buy a cake and knife set or a cake topper. We have to go to Hobby Lobby right now. <laughs> Um, and so it's having that, that vision completely pulled together before your official wedding day starts is definitely worth every penny, um, in my opinion. And, you know, read your contracts. If your um, venue is, does allow you to come in early, um, is it a set time frame? Do, what does your venue set up for you? Are they just setting up tables and chairs in the diagram you provided for them? Or are they also placing linens? Are they um, willing to set up your snack bar table with your displays and signage? Are they willing to light candles before your reception begins? Like know what your venue role is when it comes to setup, um, but then also know what your venue role is when it comes to cleanup, because definitely, if, you're a ven if your venue makes you stack all the chairs or put away all the tables and it's just a clean you know, slate room, if they make you sweep and mop and clean up the kitchen and take out all the trash, do you wanna do that in your wedding dress? No. Do, does your bridesmaids and groomsmen wanna do that when they're all dressed up? No. Does your family and friends want to do that when they're dressed up? Probably not. So know what you have to do at the end of the night too. Um, and know who's going to be sober enough to actually execute that to get your deposit back from your venue, as well as pack up all your decor in a nice fashion and make sure that you get everything, you know, out by the allotted time that your venue has. Um, I know that there are some very strict venues that say if you're not out by midnight, like you're being charged $100 per hour for every hour you're after or even sometimes 30 minutes. And so know if, you know, you have... 30 tables and you're not starting cleanup until 11 o'clock and you only have one hour to get it all done, you need more than just two people cleaning up that venue. Um, and sometimes that means cleanup needs to happen while your event is actually still going on, um, which is obviously, you know, that's, that's a touchy subject with a decorator and a client because we don't want to, you know, make your guests think that, hey, the party's over, they're starting to clean up. But we also know that you need to be out by a certain time. And so it's, best if we start cleaning up the tables that nobody is sitting at anymore. Um, but as a, as a person who's usually has that role, I'm very, you know, like, 
discreet and I only take like a few things like the candles are already burnt out in the votives and so I'm only re removing those I'm never removing all of the linens and bagging up linens and stacking chairs or anything like that while the party's still going on and so but if it's just you guys I've definitely you know been at a wedding as a guest where all of the parents and you know everything like that start cleaning up at eight o'clock and the event doesn't end till 11 but they don't and they just all sit around bare tables from eight to 11 because they don't care um, and they don't want to be stuck there past 11 o'clock and so definitely think through who's going to do it what the timing of it all looks like what your venue um, does for you or doesn't do for you um, and then know, have a plan for where does it all go? Because a lot of times the couples either A, don't have a car there or their car's full of wedding gifts now. So have a plan. Is all of this going to your mom's house and a week later you'll figure it out? Or does it all need to get back to your house? Um, know exactly what you're going to do with it afterwards and have it all in writing. Take pictures of exactly what you want your centerpieces to look like so that whoever is executing that for you can really bring your vision to life. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that I've uh, noticed plenty, um, especially from the music side when when I'm trying to provide a party. And, uh, you know, a typical wedding dance is eight to midnight. And so around 10 o'clock, I've never seen it um, as anything odd or off-putting to any of the guests if the centerpieces and things like that start coming down. Now, trying to take Lennon's away at 10 o'clock at night is a, <laughs> a little bit of a mess. And that that does give the impression that you're, you're trying to... Uh, you know, in the party early, but uh, a lot of times I think most guests are under the impression of we looked at this during dinner, we're supposed to be at the bar and the dance floor right now, or we're trying to uh, catch up with people around a blank table and not having to look through a three foot tall vase is uh, actually kind of a kind of a helpful thing at this situation. But just picture yourself on your wedding day and think about halfway through your dance, what do you want to be doing? And do you want to be on the dance floor with all your friends or do you want to be trying to uh, recoup your investment for your DIY um, centerpieces that you have to box up nicely so you can put them on Craigslist slash Facebook marketplace slash uh, exchange group slash sell them to uh, somebody like Tara. And uh, so just, just think about that and, and think about uh, what you want your job to be on a wedding night. I know that uh, I personally wanted my job to be having fun and being present with my family and friends. And uh, that was a, that was a big part of not wanting to, to be involved in that type of thing. Um, you know, another thing that I've, that I've uh, seen just over the years, uh, partially being, you know, part of weddings, it's uh an expectation that the wedding party is going to come to uh, town and you'll be there by noon on Friday, say to set up before you do rehearsal and rehearsal dinner. Uh, I've never met a uh, groomsman side of a wedding party that was ever uh, half as excited about that as the, uh, <laughs> as the bridesmaid side was. Uh, and that usually ends up uh, bringing a little more tension than, than necessary, but um, you know, definitely also seeing the, uh, the frantic days of set up the day of the wedding because you can't get into the hall until early. And, and again, I would just uh, encourage couples think about what you want to think about on your wedding day at eight o'clock in the morning. Do you want to be sitting down to uh, get a pedicure while your hair is getting worked on? Uh, do you want to be out hitting golf balls? Do you want to be still in bed at that point? Or do you want to be at a venue putting mirrors and, and, and centerpieces on the table and, uh, you know, think, think about who you can delegate that to and, uh, you know, totally understand not wanting to, uh, have the grand entrance be the first time you see the room set up. Um, 
So just uh, a, a ton of stuff to think about, but uh, yeah, I mean, just think about how you want to be present for your day and uh, think hard about delegating. So that's, uh, that's definitely the two cents that I have to, to add to that one. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So let's, uh, let's kind of take this whole thing home. So if you could put into somewhere between three and six bullet points, what are your best pieces of advice when you're thinking about decor for the wedding? First would be to figure out what's important to you. Is real linens and chair covers and a really fancy backdrop important? Okay, if not, maybe you you go, don't skimp on the tablecloths, but you can skimp on no chair covers, you can skimp on no backdrop. Um, and so really figure out what's important. Is it flesh flowers? Is it centerpiece, you know, candles, whatever it may be, figure out that, get valid input, get, get input that's, you know, worthy of being used. And, you know, definitely, if you have a certain style and stuff of that nature and getting input from somebody that doesn't see your vision isn't going to be helpful for you. So gather all your inspirations and find your, your tribe that's going to give you accurate input when it comes to narrowing down your choices. And definitely, you know, when it comes to narrowing down your choices, is do that early. You know, I have couples that want to meet with me year and even two years in advance to figure out their wedding decor. That's too soon. Like you have a lot of decisions to make and decor is probably, in my opinion, doesn't have to be first on the list. Um, yes, picking out your colors and your theme and kind of stuff like that should be at the top but actually making decor decisions can definitely happen closer to your wedding date. Um, I would say six to nine months out is where we really start a lot of those bigger conversations, but really figuring out the exact needs and some of the extra fluff you may need like signage and stuff of that nature doesn't come into play until about four months out. And then we know that you don't know final numbers by then. So we are still having communications with you on final numbers a month out to two weeks out. I still have next weekend's weddings that I won't get final numbers for until Friday. Um, and so definitely um, figuring out how you can narrow, you know, get all the inspiration you want in the beginning, but narrow down your choices before you start talking to your decor people and your florist and getting those ideas. Because if you come to the table with 10 different centerpieces ideas, it's going to be hard for us to really give you a price quote because we have no idea where you're going um, and what really you want to do. Um, so hone in hone in on what your ideas are and then allow ample time if you're going to do it yourself whether that's make your decor make your like I have brides that really want to do their own bouquets and stuff now and so make sure you allot for ample time to get those flowers in put together a mock bouquet and do some trial and error before your wedding day um, and don't wait till the week of your wedding to go to Hobby Lobby and decide okay this is what I'm going to do um, although you could pull it off probably. It, it's better to not give yourself that stress. So give yourself ample time to create things and then give yourself ample time on the weekend or day to actually execute your plans. Um, so don't, again, set up the day of your wedding. Try to set up the day before um, and know what your plan is afterwards and how much time you're going to need to clean it all up. Definitely rent, don't buy is one of my best advices. Um, you can save a lot of money. Um, you know, I often just, uh, we're sitting in my decor room at the moment. And so when I glance over, I can see vases that I've spent $27 on to purchase and I rent them for $5. Now, you know, over time, obviously I'm making my money back, but to you, 
you go out and buy 27 vases that, to fill your 20 tables, that's going to add up quickly rather than $5. So definitely rent, don't buy. Um, and I've said it many times, please don't use plastic tablecloths. It will not complete your look, not ever. <laughs> and I'm really sorry to those brides that use it. Like use it for your rehearsal dinner, fine, go low key. But on your wedding day, fancy it up. You can find cheap tablecloths um, if you want to purchase and take the time to iron them. Just do it. I love that the uh, final thing that you get is not to do plastic tablecloths. This is my biggest pet peeve for sure. Absolutely incredible. All right. Well, once again, uh, happy 40th to us. Uh, this, has been, this has been exciting. And and again, just to reiterate, uh, for more on these topics, go back to the National Wedding Planning Day special episode six on inspiration and lighting, uh, episode 34 for making the day all about you. And also episode 15, where we talk about the budget and setting your top three to five priorities. Those are all good considerations when you're thinking about uh, putting together your decor. So uh, anything else before we get out of here? Nope. If you're in the Kansas area, feel free to check out all about you event planning and rentals for your decor needs. All about you event planning and rentals. <laughs> all right. Well, keep that in mind for everybody in Kansas. And until next time, take care. Cheers, everyone. And happy wedding planning. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit completewedo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning!